0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal a Marca Mesut Özil. This is Arscast Extra.
0: Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. Morning? Morning.
1: Not- Are you spelling that with a U in it?
0: <laughs> it's just morning, you know, it's not, not goodly, not good, not bad, just like morning, another one. It's definitely not good. It's definitely not good. Definitely not goodly. Groundhog
1: morning. Yeah. Yes. It's just just keeps coming around, they just keep happening. the hits keep on coming. They sure do how was your weekend i mean it was it was fine it 's difficult to be enthused about anything isn 't it um, <laughs> How was yours? it was uh, uh,
0: profoundly disappointing I have to say and that 's not just to do with arsenal i spent Go on. I spent a week um preparing and readying my uh sourdough bread. Ah. So you kind of have to make your own like s- starter, you know, get the yeast out of the air and all that kind of stuff. That takes about four days or five days to to get this culture that you then use in the bread. And it takes ages to sort of prep the bread and you leave it proof overnight and all that kind of stuff. And then I baked it on Sunday morning before the game. And my plan was essentially to just eat a loaf of bread. That's mm. where I was going on Sunday. I woke up. And I thought that, well, look, whatever else happens, at least I'm going to eat a loaf of bread. I'm going to have it with butter. I'm going to have it with pesto. I'm going to have it with some ham on it, maybe some cheese, maybe some jam or marmalade later on to add a bit of variety. Baked the bread. The bread looked lovely. On the outside, looked really good. I was thinking, yes, I'm really looking forward to eating this bread. And then after the bread had cooled and I sliced the bread, there were some problems. One, it was too doughy. So I guess I cooked okay. it I cooked it at too high a heat. I presume that's what it is, that you cook it too quickly so the, the doughiness doesn't go out of it. And uh the second problem was it wasn't salty enough. There wasn't enough salt in the in the in the recipe or in the dough. And so the bread was quite just yeah. So it was doughy and yeah. It looked good, but it was fundamentally disappointing, which I guess is a Sort of sums up our
1: season in our way. It's a decent allegory there, isn't it? It sure is. Um, We should have known. We should have known as soon as the bread came out of the oven there were problems. It was an omen. Important. Uh, Uh, A sign. A sign of I don't know what. I don't know what. But, yeah,
0: that was it. So, um, yeah, I didn't eat a loaf of bread at all. And I really wanted to. I would have really respected you if you'd eaten a whole loaf of bread in one day. Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably bread overload. And I would have felt quite ill. But I was willing to go there just for the sake of this podcast, really, because I wanted to come on and tell you all about what it's like to eat an entire loaf of bread in one day.
1: Yeah, I'd be interested as well to see how the bread functioned as sort of a savory course and then a sweet course, you know, what you could do to mix that up. Yeah, Uh, it's so versatile. It is so versatile. Why are not we all just eat? I mean, to be fair, my diet is about 90% bread. Yeah. I've already started it. I've had toast this morning. I expect that to continue. There'll probably be a sandwich at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. Bread and pudding.
0: Bread pudding. Burger. Because, I mean, that's a yeah. type of bread. Not the burger, but obviously the bun.
1: That's a type of bread. For me, I use a bread as the burger as well. <laughs> bread um, burgers. <laughs> I have a bread burger. It's mm, delicious. So good. Mm. Yes. Um... Right. Well, I'm sorry about the bread and I'm sorry about Arsenal.
0: Yeah, I was thinking maybe I, we could do this entire podcast without talking about Arsenal. Would that be Some people have suggested
1: that oh, and have I'll they? tell you what, <laughs> I am tempted. What I could we talk about instead tempted. though? Um Leicester? Yeah. I have thought of just switching allegiance full-time now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, well, look, I enjoyed it yesterday. I was a little bit worried. I was a little bit worried that our day that was pretty poor was going to be compounded by Leicester not doing the business without their main man, without, Germ- or what's his name, Jamie Vardy. Could they yeah. be as effective without that racistness in them? And it turns out they were more effective
1: without it. Exactly. Exactly. Who needs racism after all? We all thought that was the key to their title bid, but mm. they survived without it. Um yeah, I mean they they were good. I mean, look, they they have to win it. It's imperative or a, a dark season will become just, I don't know, apocalyptically awful. So what are they now? They're 8 points
0: clear. Actually, you know what we should do is we should go through the uh the predicting
1: thing that we did. Oh, we we now can't win the title.
0: Oh, no. Come on.
1: I know. Oh. I know. I couldn't believe it. First, no I get, justice.
0: Yeah, first I get no loaf of bread to eat all day and now we can't win the title. What the fuck?
1: No Premier League for you, my friend. No. Yeah. God damn it. So
0: how many games have we got left? We've got three games left. Correct. Spurs have got four games left. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, Leicester
1: have got three games left. Is that right? So, Leicester, if Spurs win every game, Leicester need five points from three games. But they're oh. three quite tough games. They're away to um, Manchester United and Chelsea. Mm. And in the middle of that, they're at home to Everton.
0: All right. So, look, the, the last time we did the predicting thing, we were just. I think we both predicted a draw in the game against. Was it West West Ham? Ham? Yeah, so we both predicted a draw there, but we also both predicted a draw yesterday. No, a win yesterday, sorry. We thought Leicester would beat Swansea.
1: And we were right. Of course we were. We were right. What did we think uh, our beloved Arsenal might do yesterday? We (laughs) We said that Arsenal would win. How naive
0: we were. We were wrong. We were so wrong. We were, we couldn't have been
1: more wrong. Well, we could they could have lost. I we guess could, yes, that would have been
0: more wrong. But we said that would previous... more, We could have been more wrong. Yeah. but we were still wrong. We were still were proud of our wrongness. We uh, in the previous game said that we would beat West Brom, and I think that's right. And in the previous game before that, we said we would beat whoever it was that we drew against. Mm-hmm. Who did we draw against? Palace. Uh, palace. Yeah, we said we'd win. We'd win Palace, and we'd win West Brom. Well, we were wrong about Palace, we were right about West Brom, and we were wrong about uh, yesterday against Sunderland. Sorry, unless, Sunderland, we un- were wrong. Unless we change these Ws to not mean win, but actually mean wrong. In which case, yeah. we were right. <laughs> <laughs> so, that is what I meant. Yeah, so uh, Spurs, we predicted a draw in their previous game. When they... Which they
1: won at Stoke.
0: Yeah, Stoke, fuck, didn't give a shit at all. And tonight, they're playing, of course, a West Brom team who really don't give a shit at all. No. However, we're on course. We're on course. So, in our next game, Leicester are playing, is it... United away. Right, we said they'd lose that. So, let's hope that we're wrong.
1: Well, I think we have to hope that, that we're wrong now because... Otherwise, we might not finish in the top four.
0: Yeah, I mean, what a lot of fucking bollocks that is.
1: Yeah, it is. It is bad. Um, it's all in Chelsea's hands, actually, the title, because they play Spurs and Leicester. So, as much as I don't want ever to rely on a favour from them, they need to beat Tottenham and then do the decent thing and lose to Leicester.
0: Fabregas hat trick against uh, against Tottenham. What about that? that?
1: Well, any any kind of win really at this point. Mm. I just. I, I can't even contemplate. So well, yeah, okay, okay. Let's do it then. Let's do it. So what? we're we're not going to win the league as we predicted. So in a way, we were right by being wrong. By being wrong, we've we been were right all, all along. along. So here's where I stand. I want the season to end now, right now. If, if
0: this season was your beloved dog that you'd had for many years bang oh, no <laughs> you just scared the shit out of me I'm so easily startled it's ridiculous I nearly fucking went through the roof there <laughs> Well, um, um, that is how I feel. Yeah, right? but they don't shoot them, James. They you take them to the vet and they. Oh, sorry. Them right?
1: Okay. You're thinking of horses. No, I hate this season so much that even if it was my beloved dog, you'd shoot it. I, in fact, that wasn't a shotgun; it was a shovel. Oh, <laughs> over the head, bang! You'd put it out of its misery. Definitely. My Definitely. god. Definitely. The best thing for everyone. What What did you think yesterday when you saw the team? I was uh, I was confused, actually, because, you know, we made changes for the match on Thursday, but I thought that was partially be- with Sunday in mind. Mm. So, for example, I thought the fact that Danny Welbeck didn't play a-, a minute against West Brom, I took that as a sure sign he would start at Sunderland. Yeah. Um, I, the other the other people who'd stayed on the side, I could kind of get on board with. I thought Mertesacker coming in for Gabriel was probably the right thing. Um Ramsey and El Nanny didn't do much wrong, I guess. But is uh, is there
0: an argument to be made that Ramsey and El Nani at home against a team that don't care? You know, that's
1: that's fair enough. Well yeah, I, I thought we might see Ramsey stay in the side, but I thought it might be at the expense of someone like Iwobi who's played a lot of football recently. Yeah. Um at, at a very young age, and it allows Ramsey to play in a more attacking position and keep that solid spine with Alnieri uh, and Coquelin in there. That's what mm. I thought would happen. Um, the sense forward one is definitely the one that surprised me uh, the most. W- what about you? Were you sort of like, well, winning formula"? Stick with it, or were you surprised that he? That I was. He I was in?
0: surprised that he stick uh, that he brought or kept Juru on the side. I have to say, mm. I was really surprised. Now, the only thing that I would say is that perhaps Welbeck, after playing quite regularly after 10 months out with a knee injury, is somehow feeling that knee injury a bit, and there was a, a touch of caution in that regard. Maybe that was the thinking behind it. I, I'm not sure I believe it, though. I mean, hmm. to my to the logical part of my brain, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it must be because Welbeck just isn't quite 100% fit or he's worried about him. But then what's he, what's he really worried about? That he won't be fit for Norwich? next weekend so yeah. I was I was surprised because I didn't think Giroud was particularly good against West Brom I thought he had a, an okay second half he held the ball up well and maybe he thought Giroud against I don't know what he thought this is a guy who scored once in his last 20 games for the club which is just an astonishing record an astonishing slump uh, a ridiculous a ridiculously bad run of form to the point where I'm sort of almost feeling sorry for Giroud uh, almost, but yeah, you know, I don't know His why. Didn't the be- way he
1: plays, as well, I think you know, you can see, you can see, he's a player without much confidence right now.
0: With no confidence, zero confidence whatsoever. I mean, what's he doing on the left hand side, on the left wing? That moment where he's out there, and you're going, "What? Well, no, you're the guy. You need to be in the middle. Yeah. You get in the middle and let someone else put in a terrible cross for you to have no chance of getting. At least that's how this works. Yeah. That's our plan. Yeah." Um, so I was I was surprised I was surprised by that uh, I was particularly surprised that we didn't make a change earlier in the second half when it became apparent like are you, know. you
1: really surprised by no, that mate? No, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> there was a point I was watching it on Sky and Niall Quinn I think it was in the 60th minute he was like Arsene Wenger must be thinking about a change now and I was like Nile, Niall Niall Nile, Niall you've watched Arsenal before Nothing is going to happen for another 10 to 12 minutes.
0: <laughs> and what was it what what minute did the s- substitutions come on about 70 71 72 yeah. I'll have a look in the uh, in the live blog here because that will that will tell us. But yeah, no no, I guess I wasn't surprised, but if it were me,
1: I would certainly have uh, made changes sooner than that. Of course. I would as well. I mean, I thought you could see quite quickly it wasn't working with with Giroud up top. I mean it's mad that we've gone back to that. There must be surely some sort of injury problem because you know we built a whole new attack based around a more a more mobile style. Yeah. So it's very frustrating to go see us go back to the old the old pinball effect on yeah. the edge of the penalty box.
0: The old uh, I think you you said it on Twitter yesterday the wall pass where what what seemed to happen was I saw it happen uh, once or twice where Ozil looked for Giroud and played the ball in and Giroud just sort of Clubbed the ball one way and fell over backwards. I guess trying to back into the defender. And you're thinking, yes. is he being fouled or is he just like not being strong enough?
1: It, it is a wall pass, but it's a it's a wall that's in the middle of being demolished. Yeah, uh, it's a wall that's structurally unsound. 71 minutes for the 71. <laughs> there you go. He he doesn't miss a beat. That's no, awesome with those. the
0: I mean the second half, Sunderland looked more likely to score than we did. Yeah, there was a double save in there from Pessac, quite important one. Yeah, Defoe lob that went not too far wide oh, or could yeah. have caught us out. Um, I mean, we defended the set pieces pretty well. There was no real danger from that point of view. Corners we dealt with well enough, but I it's guess one of those games. Yeah, go go on, on, sorry. No, I was just sort of going to talk about how how lacklustre we were. There was no real fizz or energy or or drive to what we were doing, particularly in the second half. Uh, I referenced a moment in the blog today, a sort of trickling pass from Ramsey to Ozil, and you could see Ozil just sort of go, oh, I suppose I better move into space so he can pass me the ball. But there was no real effort or endeavour. There was no real drive from a team that, fuck, in fairness, really needed the points. We needed the win yesterday.
1: Well, I think you're right, but do you, I get the sense that, probably wrongly, these players have sort of given up on this season um, and think it's done. You know, I didn't feel... Arsenal did not look like a team with much to play for yesterday.
0: No, I get that. And I suppose it's difficult after a while to tell players, well, you've got to finish in second or third place or fourth place in in the Champions League positions. I mean, I'm sure they want to, and I'm sure they wanted to win the game yesterday. But there's clearly something psychologically missing from the team. In terms of its motivation, in terms of its application, in terms of the effort and the endeavour that we see on the pitch, that mm-hmm. you know they're giving ninety percent or ninety-five percent, but not if you'll excuse the the terrible cliche, not a hundred and one percent. You know they're not going that extra mile. They're not putting in that extra bit of effort. And at this level, when you're playing a team like Sunderland that is scrapping for every single thing they can get from a game, they're going to put in that extra effort, and you of know th- that enabled them to to see us all fairly comfortably. Manone made a couple of good saves, didn't he? I mean, nothing too amazing. I thought the one from the free kick actually was a very good save, uh, given that it was it was quite quite low down and uh, right by the near post. That was the first half. But that was really the only save that he made that was uh,
1: anything other than routine. So that yeah. summed up our attacking prowess. Well, I thought it was a, a sort of, Classic game, really, where Arsenal had more possession, had more attempts, and yet, if you, when you break it down, it felt like Sunderland probably came the closest to scoring overall. Um, weirdly, despite being, you know, the, the side with less of the ball, they kind of looked more likely to win it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that free kick in particular for Van Aanholt in the first half was about as close as you can come, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. But they- good luck to them Sam Allardyce seems like a nice man so Yeah he's a lovely fella isn't he? <laughs> Glad we could do him a favour That
0: that shot Did you see that shot where he's sort of just sort of reclining in his chair like flat out and he's just sitting back there going
1: mm-hmm. It's like jabber the Heart or something in his palace Yeah,
0: yeah. You could hear the chewing mm-hmm. sound Horrific he chewed on his chewing gum it was just like Oh God please we don't need to see Sam Allardyce's crotch thrust towards the air regardless of what whether or not it's half covered by a long coat. We don't, don't need it.
1: I don't think that's chewing gum anyway. I think that's like the head of a baby or something. But He's just like gnawing off.
0: Probably, uh, I would say it's a, a placenta. He goes to the local hospital and just gets placentas and chews them.
1: Crikey. We've got them off our physios. <laughs> I am... I, um, yeah, I, I don't really... I mean... Giroud, I guess, is one to talk about individually. Though I find it quite hard at the moment to talk about individual performances because I just feel that, sort of, collectively, there's such a malaise over the over the whole team. Yeah, I mean, I think that's
0: right. You know, there are there are players obviously who are lightning rods for criticism, and I get that. But I th- I also think it's hard necessarily to to judge individuals when the collective is playing so poorly that everybody is looking. Much less capable than they normally do, or or that we know they're capable of, you know. Um, yeah. That being said, that being said, go on. <laughs> what what was your thought on the
1: Theo Walcott incident? Oh my word! Well, I mean, I just saw a question come in from the the venerable Arsenal gent, and he said, "Should number fourteen be shot at dawn for desertion?" <sighs> I, I mean, it was amazing. So I assume you all saw it live or after the event. But what happened was Danny Welbeck sort of raced through. He got past the goalkeeper, is that right? Manone, Manone.
0: Manone came out to head the ball away and just headed it up in the air.
1: Right, OK. And then I'm fairly sure that Yunus Kabul fouled Danny Welbeck. Yes, I think there's a very good case for that
0: being at least a free kick and also possibly a red card.
1: Yeah, it's it's certainly a denial of a goal-scoring opportunity given that the goalkeeper is about 30 yards up the pitch. (laughs) Manone is still just tumbling. Mamma mia! Yeah, exactly that. Um, But then the ball sort of sprung clear and obviously Theo Walcott's on the pitch by this time. He's fresher than everybody else. He's quicker than everybody else. He looks set to get there but Yunus is is kind of following up, trying to clear it and as Kabul goes to clear it, rather than go into the challenge and try and nick the ball away, Theo Walcott, I mean, he he just jumps out of the way. Yeah. Of the ball. Of the of man. Of Kabul. Of everything. Of responsibility. Of the chance of being a hero. Of, you know, he just jumps clear of it all. He wants no part of it. No. No, it's self-preservation, wasn't it? It was like,
0: ah, no, no. Well, I he's got you know, to
1: stay fit so he can not be named in the
0: squad for the Euros. Well, I did see people talk about that. Like, if that was Walcott trying to keep himself fit for the European Championships, you wouldn't bring a player like that on the European Championships, would you? I mean, no. it was I mean, just an absolute dereliction of duty, shirking his responsibility as as a team player, absolutely and only thinking about his own his own self, I don't know, mm. that's probably a better way to, himself, funny, <laughs> I could have thought of that word, but it, it was just, it was just abysmal, that was really, really bad, and that I kind mean, of sums up the
1: team in a way, doesn't it, or it does it? It kind of does, or I does it, well, I, I or think does it sum up Walcott? I think it sums up Walcott, definitely, I mean, look, none of us want to touch Yunus but there's a limit, isn't there? I mean, it was kind of extraordinary. Some people would say he didn't even really deserve to be on the pitch, given that Joel Campbell came on against West Brom and looked quite impressive, I thought, in his little five-minute cameo.
0: Well, um, I, I have to say, when I was looking at the, the the game yesterday, when I was looking at the bench and I was thinking about the changes that he might make, mm. I wasn't in any way confident that Theo Walcott could contribute to us getting a goal. I would have thought that Joel Campbell stood a better chance of doing that. Like you say, against West Brom, he came on and within seconds, he'd had a shot on goal nearly scored and did contribute to the last seven or eight minutes of that game while Walcott ambled around and did very little. Um, I think it shows you where Joel Campbell is in Arsene Wenger's thinking. That he can't play or that he won't give him a game uh, in a game where we need to score. And whether that's to do with Arsene Wenger's opinion of Joel Campbell or an inherent conservatism where he thinks, well, Walcott, yeah, he could. He's quite fast. He could do something because, well, you know, he's Theo Walcott. Uh, Yeah, I feel sorry for Joel Campbell in a way. And look, if, if we sell Joel Campbell and bring in somebody better this season, I've I got absolutely no problem with that. I don't think that he is the kind of player who is going to drive a team to win the title. A very useful squad player, and if, you, if we keep him, that's fine also. I'm happy enough with that. But uh, to say that he doesn't deserve a chance in a game like that, ahead of Theo Walcott, who has, in the last couple of games like hammered more nails into his Arsenal coffin. What did you make about the, the manager's uh, comments? Did you see that?
1: He said, "It's what did he say? He said, I'm not in transfer mode, but I... I... Basically, he didn't guarantee Walcott's position at the club. Did yeah, he, in, he was
0: asked, like, it, what, will Walcott be an Arsenal player next season? I don't know. I don't know. That's what he said. I'm not in transfer mode yet. I mean, the, the obvious answer, if you want to keep a player, is yeah. Yeah. He'll be like an Arsenal player next season. I want to keep him. He's got a long contract. He only signed a new contract, blah, blah, blah. So it's hardly a ringing endorsement. So if that's the way you're thinking about the player, why the fuck put him on when he's been about as effective as, I don't know, an ashtray on a motorbike?
1: <laughs> I mean, I think he'll, I think he'll go, if I'm honest. Who do you think will buy him? Some English club, you know what they're like. Mm. I mean, I've just been looking at the numbers. We're all we're all having a chuckle about Giroud scoring. Well, we're not chuckling about it actually. We're sort of quite happy about it. One in what is it? One in twenty. Yeah. But if you actually look at Walcott's record, he has scored a couple of goals. He scored against Watford. He scored against Hull, um, and he's got one against Man City in December. But I've just taken a rough look at it. But I think he scored about in about three of the last thirty. Jeez. So, it's not much better. Um, well, there's no better, really. I mean, mm. it's... it's, uh, And a lot of those goals were kind of, you know... for Certainly the one against Watford was an icing on the, on the cake goal and a 4-0 win. Yeah. He also is producing next to nothing at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I think... I think that there's, there's... I mean, there's been talk about him going before. But what's interesting this time is that it doesn't seem to have anything to do with contract negotiations. This time... You know, the contract is secure. Normally, when there's talk about Walcott's future, it's focused around, will he sign a new deal? He signed a new deal last year, and yet the talk's still there. Uh, and I think that just there's probably a little bit more to it this time.
0: Yeah. Uh, is it coincidence that Walcott's best runs of form have come when he's been playing for a new contract? Should he have been on, like, a rolling one-year deal from the time he was 19? Maybe that <laughs> would be
1: the... Maybe no the Flamini approach,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, but how much of what what the individuals aren't producing do we put down to the individuals, or, or how much do we then look at the way that the team is set up, the way the team is playing or not playing or not performing or not able to find any kind of style or rhythm or cohesive football? Um, I, I mean, how much of that then comes down to, to the manager, to Arsene Wenger? <sighs> Think because, look, it- I mean, it's easy to say Giroud is shit and Ramsey is shit and Walcott is shit and they're all shit and this guy's shit and that guy's shit. And, but, you know, they don't pick themselves. They didn't buy themselves. They don't train themselves every week.
1: No, not at all. And I think that, you know, they are underperforming, but they look disorganised and unmotivated. Mm. And, and I think responsibility for that has to be the managers. Um once again, it was like watching a team without any kind of clear tactical plan. And a, a team who looked like they, they're they beginning to feel some of the same frustrations as the fans. I thought uh, that Mesa Erzl moment was very telling. I mean, uh, did you see that when Hector Bellerin uh crossed yeah. the ball into the box and he screamed, for fuck's sake? Hang on, I'm, <laughs> I'm going
0: gonna, I'm gonna to play it here. So if people uh, yeah, haven't well, heard I- it, I have a... I'm pretty sure I have it here so people can hear this. This is picked up by the television cameras. Um bum bum bum. Okay, here we go. And do it one more time
1: just in case. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, mean, a couple of things like that. First of all, it's nicely that he's sufficiently acclimatized that he's now swearing in English on the pitch.
0: Yeah, I would have. Um, I would have preferred a good old fashioned Gott in Himmel. Yeah, that would have
1: been good. <laughs> uh, second of all, I guess things like that happen on the pitch a lot, but aren't picked up by mm. mics. But I mean, it was impossible to watch it and not identify certainly with that sense of frustration. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think the players look. A little disenchanted themselves, you know. We, we're in a climate where I feel more more than ever the fans are questioning the manager, and, and one wonders if that doesn't transmit to the players too. Do they still believe in the broader plan? Yeah, they don't look like they do.
0: It, yeah, is the message getting through? I'm not sure. I think if we were looking at this from the outside, if we were objectively looking at this at if this was happening at another football club, mm. we'd all be making. Different assumptions, perhaps. Maybe some people are making the same assumptions, but you know the the, the classic—he's lost the dressing room kind of thing. It's hard not to worry that that's the case. Like I don't—I don't think that the players, not not in the Mourinho way, right? Not the way Mourinho lost the dressing room this season, right. in the sense that he did things and behaved in a way which turned the players against him, and it was very obvious. Certain players just did not perform collectively the team did not perform for Mourinho because I think they fucking hated him because he was blaming them for things, because uh, he was casting aspersions on on them. And it got to the point, wasn't it? What was the thing that he said? That he said he'd been betrayed. Mm. That's what he said. And after that, there was just literally no way he was getting it back. So you can lose the dressing room in that way. And I don't think it's like that at Arsenal. I don't think that the players... Uh, dislike the manager or hate the manager but I just wonder if the message has got so stale that if what he's doing on the training ground has become so routine if the tactics or if the game plan is confusing to them it looks like it is because we lurch from one performance to another without playing in any kind of way that you could say oh I can see what we're trying to do here like you can't you can't see it so I just wonder if that's if in that way he's lost the dressing room, that he can't get the message through to them, that if he can't get them up for a game against Sunderland, I know Sunderland are fighting for their lives, I know they're scrapping for everything, they're giving a hundred percent, but Sunderland are in the bottom three because they're fucking shit. That's why.
1: So well, they didn't. They didn't even look particularly good yesterday. You know. No, that, that's like they
0: were- hang on. I, that's because they're fucking shit.
1: Ah, yeah. See?
0: That, that'd be it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I agree. They didn't even look that good yesterday. But we, we did enough not to lose the game. We never did enough to win it.
1: I would agree with you. Mm. Um, I do think they're a real... We seem to be sort of sleepwalking into the end of the season and one wonders how bad it could yet get. I, I, I know it feels bad now. But I have this horrible sneaking suspicion it it might get even worse. I I said it on the blog today. I fear a sting in the tail of this season
0: because it's got so bad, because we're not really able to arrest this say run of form or anything. What are we, unbeaten in six now? Is that what it is? Unbeaten are in we? six or five. i not anyway. feel like that. Hang on. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six games without loss. Wow. In the Premier League, it's actually seven games without being beaten. The last defeat was 2-1 to Swansea at the start of March. But since then, we've had one, two, three, four draws and three wins in the right. Premier League. Um, and it's, it's just pretty abject. I watched your video, your post-game video yesterday. <laughs> You're right. It's yeah. boring.
1: It is boring it's boring it's boring on two levels I guess it's boring in, in, the individual games are pretty dull we're not very exciting to watch at the moment but it's also boring I guess because of the kind of grim inevitability the broader narrative is in itself boring because mm. we've seen these collapses unfurl so many times before I mean I, the, I hope the podcast isn't too boring <laughs> We should talk about maybe it is, maybe football. we're just going around in circles.
0: Maybe we are. What can we do? Do you not feel like slightly useless or toothless? I mean I, like I love talking about it and it's good fun and everything else, but what does it what does any of this opinion or belief or or belief that we might need to change things what does it matter if
1: nothing is going to change? I think it's just a way of sort of, you know, trying to rationalize events and make ourselves uh, feel more comfortable with it. Because you're right, fundamentally I don't think anything huge is going to change. Certainly not until the end of May. Um,
0: but nothing know, what's going to
1: change then? Potentially, I guess, the playing staff. Yeah. I wouldn't go any further than that. Mm. But who knows, I mean, we've changed the playing staff a, a lot over the last few years. It's not yeah, the been... playing staff. I mean,
0: obviously, changes need to be made in that regard. We need to improve yeah. the squad. We need some better players. I mean, fuck, we need a striker. Badly. Yeah. Uh, you know. We... <sighs> but I mean... I... To at
1: least seemed to, seem to admit that much in interviews with Sky Sports. He said, we've been massively hurt by the fact that we don't have a player who scored 20 goals mm. in the Premier League. Here's a question for you before we take a break and go on to the
0: questions from other people. Okay. When we signed Mesut Ozil from Real Madrid in 2013, Mm -hmm. he said that one of the reasons why he came to Arsenal was because of Arsene Wenger, because of his reputation as a great coach and somebody who gets the best out of players and treats players well. And that must Mm -hmm. have been the case also with Alexis Sanchez coming from Barcelona. Like, Did he want to go play for Brendan Rodgers or Arsene Wenger? Uh, because we know Liverpool were interested he chose sure. Arsenal and Arsene Wenger. I know there are other reasons to choose Arsenal over Liverpool um in terms of location and uh, everything else. Mm-hmm. But he did, you know, Arsene Wenger played a big part in that. This summer our potential transfer targets going to look at Arsene Wenger and think hmm I'm not sure. This is a man who's whose reputation Um, is taking a bit of a hit, who ultimately is a year away from retirement or not able to get the best out of players the way that he used to be able to. He's not the dynamic, interesting coach that he used to be. Do you think that could have an effect on whatever business we're trying to do in the transfer market this summer? I'm not sure.
1: I'm not sure. I, I think that you know I always take these things a bit with a pinch of salt Mesut Ozil having signed for Arsenal partly because he was forced out of Real Madrid by Gareth Bale's arrival isn't going to turn around and go well I wasn't sure about Arsene Wenger but you know I thought I'd better go for it sure I <laughs> didn't have many options any player who signs for a club is likely to talk up the manager who signed them mm. I'm sure it is a factor and actually I think that you know Arsene has he does still retain a reputation for bringing the best out of certain individuals you know even Alexis Sanchez, if you look at his first season at the club, that seemed to be kind of a flourishing of his talent. I think he performed better when he first arrived at Arsenal, arguably than he had for Barcelona in the preceding couple mm. of years. So I think Arsenal still retains, um, you know, an ability to kind of coax the best out of certain individuals, particularly attacking players. Yeah, Um whether or not you would come to the club thinking, well, I'm coming here to win things under him. I think that's a big question. Like, if you're offered the opportunity to go, you know, and play for a Guardiola or, uh, I don't know, a Simeone, something like that, do you... I think you feel like, well, here I've got a real chance of going on winning trophies at Arsenal... I just don't think the same culture exists.
0: Yeah, I mean, is that not going to make players question whether or not they should come to Arsenal? That this is a team that continually, continually, habitually fails in more or less the same way every single season. So if you're a player with ambition and you actually want to win things, do you come to Arsenal? I know there are other factors, like obviously what you're going to get paid and the financial package on offer, makes a big difference we know that players are not always motivated by what the best thing for them as a footballer is right so we know that there's that side of things but if you are a young ambitious hungry footballer who wants to win the Premier League or wants to win the Champions League do you look at Arsenal as as a as a possible destination as somewhere where you can fulfill your ambitions
1: I think I think that's going to be a huge challenge it could well be. I mean, you have to hope, I guess, that players, players are motivated by the idea of transforming Arsenal into that kind of club, into mm. that kind of team, because it's certainly not the kind of team they're arriving into. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Right, well, on that cheery note, yes. we'll take a little break and we're going to come back with your questions and more in part two.
1: you have
0: an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much
1: at airbnb.com slash host
0: welcome back to the ArsCast extra this is the part of the show where we answer the questions that you send to us on twitter at Gunnarblog blog and at arse blog and as well on the Arsblog blog facebook page which which is uh, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. blog actually Speaking of which, did you see that? Did you see Ian Wright?
1: Yes, yes. I did see that. that Do you was... want to relay it to the listeners? Or...
0: I guess, yeah. Basically, Ian Wright was on a TV show on BT Sport. He was talking about Arsene Wenger and some of the abuse that he gets. And he said uh, that he'd read an article somewhere. And he said, where was it? Oh, oh it was the Arse Blog." And I thought, the yes. The Blog. I like that. The Arse Blog." Here it is. I'm going I'm to play it. Hang on. See if we get it here. You know, it's getting nasty and... I, 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 saw, I read a good piece the other day like, oh, I he wrote a really good piece and he kind of it was the Arseblog and I think what it was, it was they were they there were, you go nice Nice. What, whatever if, if he just said arse blog, that would have been fantastic but the arse blog
1: yeah yes the one on and only yeah I like it good stuff very nice stuff um Shall we do the questions? Yeah, let's do the questions. I, I'm going to go first. Oh, okay. Yeah? Right. Well, sorry. Yeah. You oh, are the arse blog. I yeah. am
0: the arse blog, after all. Uh, okay, so this one comes from James Mason, at JD Mason 8. And he says, Arson Wenger fired. You're hired. You can choose one player from each of Leicester, Spud Cunts, United, and Mug Smashers. Who do you choose?
1: Oh, okay. Leicester, I have to sign a Spurs player. You have to sign one. That's what the question says. United and Liverpool. For some reason, no City players are allowed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Oh, I know who I'm signing from Spurs, actually. I think I know too. Oh, do you? Mm. I
0: think you're going to say Harry Kane. Oh, I wasn't. Oh, I would. That would, would be you? my one. Yeah, I think so. We need a striker and, you know, he looks like he's actually quite good at the whole scoring goals and, thing.
1: And he's less racist than Vardy, I guess. Yeah. And, you well, know... I was ver- Go on. Go on. Well, I was very tempted by um, Alderweireld, centre-back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He I was a guy that very, we were linked with. We
0: were linked with him very strongly... The season that he went to Southampton. When he was at Atletico Madrid, yeah. Yeah, we were, I believe, from what I'm informed, quite close to signing him. And right. I don't know why it didn't happen. I suspect, could be just guessing here, of course, but I suspect our usual dilly-dallying in the transfer market going, no, I'm not sure, maybe, oh, someone else bought him. Okay, not our problem anymore, but we were very close sure. to
1: signing him. That's frustrating because he was just named in the PFA Team of the Year, uh, I think, and he's been basically great for them.
0: Right. So uh, that's your um, that's your. Let, let's
1: let's be different then. Yeah, let's be different. So you go for Kane. Yeah, I think I'll so. Go for I'll go for Alderweireld mm. from Spurs. Mm. Um, At least
0: Kane has sort of this this Arsenal connection from his youth.
1: That's true. It's his destiny. Yeah. He will fulfil his destiny. <laughs> A bit of plastic surgery, though, if he's going to play for us, please. We're, yeah, we're used just to more handsome strikers than that. St-
0: Stitch his mouth shut.
1: That's yeah. um, You'll catch flies. <laughs> what about from uh, impending champions, please? Leicester. mares Mares, yeah, the PFO Player of the Year. I think I would go Maras as well. Mm. Honourable mention to N'Golo Kante, who's been absolutely brilliant. He
0: has, yeah, he has. But I think we're probably more in need of a wide player who can produce goals and assists than we are... Uh, Akante, who is, who is yeah. good, but you know, you can, you can say nice things about El Elneny, who's done well so far. I know he's not quite the same type of player, but does the same kind of job. Um, Cockalan is in there as Coquelin's well. There. So, you know, we're not desperately in need of, of that as much as we are a player who won't jump out of the way of a centre half who looks at him funny.
1: Uh, and Mahrez wouldn't do that. I'll, I'd go for Mares as well, i have to say. <laughs> mm. Um, and then What were the other teams Liverpool and United
0: Yeah This is where i begin to struggle
1: <laughs> Yeah it's tricky isn't it Yeah uh, I'm trying to think Liverpool I mean Liverpool have got a, a not particularly convincing squad I think at the moment Yeah Um, I mean I'm desperately trying to think Who even plays for Liverpool I'm looking at the squad Okay so You could have Bogdan He'd be great I mean, the one who I always wonder about is Daniel Sturridge because I think talent wise, he's about as good a striker as there is in the Premier League. Yeah. But his legs don't work. Mm. That is the big problem. I
0: mean, there's nobody in the Liverpool defence that I, that I would like ahead of anybody that we've got. Certainly not anybody. No one who
1: hasn't, who's not a drugs cheat. Yeah. yeah.
0: So. <laughs> uh, like, I mean, you're not taking Milner, Coutinho, Henderson, Lalana, Lucas. Mm. You wouldn't be tempted by Coutinho at all? Possibly, maybe, but as a sort of, what, Cazorla-esque,
1: not upgrade,
0: but replacement because Santi's getting a bit older. Joe Allen, no. Jordan Ibe, 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 as Klopp called him that time. Yeah. Um, And up front, Penteke, Firmino, Sturridge, I think you're right, would be would be the best option predicated on the fact that uh, he doesn't get injured. So if, if you could keep him fit, Sturridge would be the one for me.
1: Yeah, tempted as I would be to bring home Colo just for sort of emotional reasons, sentimental mm. you know, concerns. I'm going to gamble on a wild card and with Sturridge. Yeah. I think that he would be brilliant in our system, I, but imagine him at Arsenal. I mean, he'd mm. never play football again. No, no absolutely uh, not which leaves Manchester United. Yeah. And the player who I was I think thinking I was going to take actually was Anthony Martial because he seems to me to be exactly the sort of player that Wenger signed and coached mm. so brilliantly in the early part of his reign. Um and you know he's a left winger who also can play through the middle. He's got speed, he's got composure. I think with Sturridge out injured all the time, you need someone to score the goals. And I think he could be it. Yeah, fair enough. What, what about you? Paddy McNair. Yeah?
0: Yeah. Just quality all the way through. That guy's going to be... Captain, leader, legend, yeah, isn't he? absolutely. He is the missing piece in our in our jigsaw. Where are you going to play him? Up front? Everywhere. Wherever I feel <laughs> like. I'm manager. I can do what the fuck I like. Oh, God. I think, I, mean, look. I think. yeah, you're you're probably right about Martial. And if we didn't have Petr Cech, you'd be very strongly after De Gea.
1: Oh, yeah, big yeah. time. I mean, even if you do have Petr Cech, you know, in some ways, mm. Gea, you know, he gives you another few years, doesn't he? I mean, he's, he's absolutely top class. So. Mm.
0: And I do wonder if
1: Smalling wouldn't be a bad addition to our squad. Yeah, yeah. Funnily enough, there was talk about that, wasn't there? You know, there was some stories going around about Arsenal's interest in Smalling. But they certainly were certainly interested when he was at Fulham, but when he was at United, now favour, and it was kind of. Wasn't there a mad
0: thing that went on that day? That uh, yeah. were you telling me about that? Like, like Arsenal picked up Smalling in a limo and then took him off to meet some agents and it was all about to be done. And then United came in with a bigger limo and more agents and possibly some M&Ms. And then Arsenal came back with like a Hummer limo and 14 agents and M&Ms and Timeshare in Florida. And it was all about to be done. And then United came back. It was like touch and go for the whole day, wasn't it?
1: It was a deadline Uh, day. Yeah. I'm impressed you remember the, the all the details of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, certainly we were very close to Smalling. We were gazumped uh, in that deal and the club were very unhappy about how that actually went down. Uh, but there was then stories when he was at United about us being interested potentially and mm. that was kind of laughed off a bit by the fans because he wasn't playing particularly well at that time but he's been excellent for them this season. So mm. I guess he'd be in contention. But the reality is... We won't sign any of these players. No. No, but look, we can we can dream. We can have a little bit of fantasy
0: for six or eight minutes on a podcast.
1: I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. God. Um, I've got a question for you now. Okay. It's a bit of a history lesson, really. It's sort of something you will have to tell me because I don't really remember. Pritesh Patil, who's at the Quill Seeker on Twitter asks doesn't this arsenal decline feel much like the decline under George Graham before he was sacked now i genuinely don't really remember sort of before i was properly engaged so you'll have to tell me does guess, it feel the
0: same i guess it does a bit but then of course there was at that time there was much more separation from my point of view obviously because i wasn't living in in uh in london And and coverage of the games was a lot less than it is right now. So we weren't all living the same experience. If you look at it from the point of view of players who are half-hearted and aren't producing enough, I mean, we haven't slumped as far down the league as we did under George Graham, but there was always the idea that we become a bit too much of a cup team. I don't know if that's necessarily true about us, but... (sighs) if it's the same, I'm I'm not 100% sure. I think we're probably in a better position in terms of the playing squad than we were at the end of the George Graham era that we, we do have really good quality players right now. Um, mm. I I don't know is the answer to that one,
1: but it does feel end of era e. Yeah, it does, certainly. I mean, I saw a stat just now when I was uh, looking at questions saying that We've now lost 14 matches this season mm. um, and only once under Wenger have we lost 15 and that was in 2005, 2006, uh, 10 years ago. The final so, season at Highbury. Uh, indeed, the, where we sort of clung on to our top four place on the final day didn't mm. we? again in a match against Aston Villa who's our final match of the season against at home to Aston Villa this year as well. Yeah, yeah. We just need a Thierry Henry hat-trick and it'll be fine. That's all we need, yeah, for sure.
0: Um, Okay, here's one from the Chief, at macho underscore grande one. He says, who deserves to be sacked more, the manager for being crap or the board for not
1: sacking the manager for being crap? (laughs) Um, Good question. Um, I guess... Well, we can't... I mean, the, the, the frustrating thing about this question is that we can't sack either of them. Yeah. Neither's going to get sacked. Both are very much entrenched. Uh, and I guess, by the same token, I don't want to sort of wimp out about the question, but I guess both are at fault. You know, there's... It's kind of a... It's a relationship whereby there's kind of not enough pressure exerted from the board. Mm. Uh, equally, the manager has, has underperformed. Um, I think... I, I mean, there's no way, there's no way this board will ever sack Arsene Wenger. It will never happen. Or sack itself. Or, or be, sack itself, yeah. or any of its members. The, uh, on the Arscast on Friday,
0: Filippo Clare described the situation at Arsenal in terms of the, the power dynamics and everything else as abnormal in world football or European football. It's very well, difficult it feels- to argue against that, isn't it? That there's no club in the world
1: where this exists. Well, I think if if anybody could get, say, uh, an Ivan Gazidis sacked, it's probably Arsene Wenger, which mm. is the curious thing. He's probably the person who could go to the owners and say, "I'm not happy with the chief executive," and his board, his boss, would probably get the sack. It's the wrong way round. <laughs> it is very much the wrong way round, um, and uh, you know, it won't. One hopes certainly that when Arsene does abdicate because that's all it will be, an abdication. He will declare himself that time's up, mm. uh, that the that, that the club learn from that and, and introduce a bit more of a, a rigorous structure that holds managers a bit more accountable. Because, you know, I, I don't doubt that he takes enormous responsibility on himself and puts pressure on himself, but that's not really the same thing. I think that there has to be some jeopardy there To achieve the best results. In the same way that when you're building a squad, you say, well, look, competition for places is healthy. I think feeling like you need to earn your position year on, year out, you know, I think that's healthy too for a manager.
0: Interesting little conversation. Sorry to interrupt you there. Just an interesting conversation because I was going to ask this question uh, at West Antone asked the question. uh, I am humble enough every day to question myself, to accept my mistakes. And believe me, I do that. And he said, do either of you believe that statement from Arsene Wenger to be true? Uh, To which Matthew Burles at Matt Burles replied, he questions himself, but doesn't let anyone else, which I think is an interesting way of looking at it.
1: Yes. And of course, I, you know, I'm sure he does question himself at times, but that's not really, you know, enough. That's not really enough, I don't think. Mm. I don't think that's enough. And if you look at the way you respond, and I, I understand being frustrated in press conferences. I think you are asked a lot of inane things and it must be very repetitive and very dull. But if you look at how tetchy, part of that is because... Fundamentally, people don't want a situation which is confrontational with a manager in a press conference because it becomes unhelpful. And if you'll notice, that Arsene very rarely asked any kind of tactical question. Mm. And when he is, he gets quite touchy about it. Um, he gets quite unhappy about it. He feels as if he, he he resorts very quickly to the old "Have you managed a game in your life?" approach. Yeah, and. I understand why he is a professional and he is obviously entrenched in what he does, but it, it, there is an arrogance there. There is an arrogance there that's... But, you know, when a manager's doing well, that arrogance is portrayed as a positive quality. Yeah. You know, everyone would say Sir Alex was arrogant or everyone would say, you know, Mourinho was arrogant when mm. they were winning titles. It's just... Uh, it's it, all could, it can be used as a stick to beat you when things aren't going too well. I mean, do you think that... Do you believe that statement, that he questions himself every day? And Yeah, I think he does. Thing? I
0: think he does question himself, and I think he thinks long and hard about what way he, he operates and what he can get from his team and how he can get it. I don't doubt for one second that this is a man that works extraordinarily hard, mm. that I never have that doubt. But I also agree with that statement that he doesn't really let anyone else question him, that there's an authoritarian um, modus operandi, if you like, that he takes all the training sessions. You know, he doesn't really delegate a huge amount to his coaches. You know, we've got Steve Bould or Neil Banfield, or whoever, doing certain drills. But ultimately, Arsene Wenger is a manager who takes the coaching sessions. And I do wonder if that uh, as well is part of what contributes to the, to the malaise that we're in, that there, there isn't enough separation. Now, look, it's his method and it works and has worked for him down the years. But uh, yeah, I think he does question himself. But I don't think he... I don't think he comes up with the right answers.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's useful to have somebody else questioning you. You Mm. know, as much as we all... I mean, it's a different, it's a, it's a strange comparison, but there's a reason, I guess, that so many people go to therapy rather than sit at home questioning themselves because it, someone else probing you with questions it enables you to think about things in a different way. And he yeah. operates in a vacuum, fundamentally. He <laughs> operates in a very solipsistic manner. Mm. Um, and that can be dangerous, you know, isolation is always dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel a little bit like that's maybe what's happened at the top of Arsenal. All right, your question. My question, let's have a look. Is it another cheery one? Okay, this one's from at and he asks, is it realistic to expect our problems to be fixed when the manager's the same and we can't sign anyone yet?
0: So does that that's obviously in relation to our current form.
1: Yeah, I think I actually saw this come happen on Twitter yesterday. He was kind of lamenting the fact that everyone's up in arms at the end of every game at the moment. You know, when he, he, his attitude is kind of that the well, what do you expect? You know, nothing's going to change between now and the end of the season. But mm. do you not think there's more that could be? Done from game to game to improve our fortunes.
0: Well, yeah, I think there is. I mean, I think you could you could like pick Welbeck yesterday. You could bring Joel Campbell on yesterday. You could you could do. I don't know that you could do much more than that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, look, he has been trying different things, hasn't he? He's brought Iwobi in and Elmeni into the team. Those are different things, but ultimately the the results are the same. Yeah, look, I get the point that it's like. It's like, in a, a certain way, eating a shit sandwich and complaining that it tastes of poo. Um, sure. But it You're also one of those
1: delicious bread burgers. Instead, yeah, but. yeah.
0: You want a James James uh, style bread burger? But yeah, it's one of it's. It's just human nature, isn't it? That people are going to get angry. Um, I mean, it's like people who were would say, "Well, the FA Cup is a load of shit," and then go mental after we lose in the FA Cup. Um, That's human nature. I don't know that you can do much to avoid it. Can we expect much more from this manager or this group of players at this point in time? I think we probably can. I think someone uh, tweeted at me yesterday saying that they thought uh, our expectations going into the Sunderland game were too high. And that's why we were unhappy (laughs) that we were playing a team that was fighting for its life and away from home. A point is a decent point. And my thinking on that is, well, you're playing a team that's about to be relegated, probably, because they're rubbish. And you're a team that, okay, even if your title challenge is over, you still have something to play for in terms of how high you can finish up the table. And at the very least, the very least, you expect professional pride and for them to give every single thing they can give to, to win a game. So I think you can expect more. Um, I, but I don't disagree in the sense that it's got like ridiculously angry in certain places. There are corners, or not corners now, but there are uh, parts of the, the Arsenal Twitter sphere and online uh, life that I don't want to go anywhere near. I don't want to have anything to do with because it's just so toxic and nasty and unpleasant and ill-mannered. And I think we can be angry. We can be frustrated. We can be disheartened, disenfranchised. We can be all those things. Yeah, re- retain a modicum of decency, manners, respect for one another. Um, so, if that's the sort of stuff that he's referencing, yeah, we can we can also do better in that regard as well.
1: I'd certainly agree with that.
0: Yeah. Okay. 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 What? Oh, hang on. Oh, okay. What? Uh, what? Well, oh, it's my question, isn't it?
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: All right. Um, I don't. Can we talk any more about football? I don't know that we can. <laughs> I mean. We just I, I mean,
1: can't. I don't know, probably not. It's sort of, we've, we've, I mean, we've done well to do this much of it. Okay, so here's one then. Here's one. Well, all
0: right, this comes from Scott Affelt at S. Affelt. And he wants to know, after a disappointing draw, what's better, cold pizza or cold fried chicken? Ooh.
1: Yes. I don't think I've ever eaten cold fried chicken. What? No. When are you eating that? When it's like you've got some leftover and you put it in the fridge and then you take it out and eat it. That's when you do it. The only time I ever eat fried chicken is at about sort of 3am on the way home when I'm slightly worse for wear. Ah. Uh, so you're talking about like crappy fried chicken from a chipper, like? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Right. I don't I don't really eat fried chicken. Outside of that. And let me tell you, once I've stopped eating that and gone to sleep, I never want to think about it or see it ever again. <laughs> uh, I will dispose of it as, as quickly as possible and pretend it didn't happen. Okay. But cold pizza is delicious. It's the food of the gods, mm. cold, cold pizza. I agree. Like, hot pizza is delicious and cold pizza is delicious. Pizza for breakfast. Mm. Cold pizza for breakfast is a, a remarkable thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'm tempted to have pizza in the evening just so I can have it cold the next day.
0: I'm going to make some pizzas today. That's what I'm going to do. After my disappointing bread outlet, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to make some You're pizzas. You're
1: a bit of a, a bread drive, aren't you? What's going on? Uh, I've just got loads of flour. Right. <laughs> got to get through it. Got, got to get, get through, through it. it. I don't
0: want to waste it. You know, I'm I'm aware that there are people all over this world who would love to have the amount of flour that I have. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try and make something of it. But cold pizza is fantastic, and cold fried chicken is also fantastic. And particularly if you make your own fried chicken at home, it's good. You can sort of, you can do all kinds of things. You know, spice it up, spice up the skin, and uh, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, marinate it in buttermilk and all that kind of stuff. It's fantastic. Make a whole fucking shitload of it. Leave some in the fridge, and just eat the cold pizza or uh, cold chicken the next day. It is. Absolutely delicious. A little bit of salt and pepper on top of it. Fantastic. Here's oh, one not, for you, though. I'm not doing that. Well, okay. I, I suggest you do it.
1: Baked right, beans, look. right? Yes, it's baked beans. What about them?
0: What's your opinion on cold
1: baked beans? Straight from the tin. I have been known to do it, to eat them. Yeah? In fact, it's weird you would ask me this. I'm sat at my desk and there is a Tupperware here. Yeah. That contained last night cold baked beans that were left over from half a tin that went into the Tupperware and that I ate them much to the distress of my flatmate who hates baked beans. How can you hate baked beans? I don't know. But I ate them cold with a spoon out of the Tupperware and I haven't washed it up yet. Get in there. Get in. are you a big proponent of cold oh, baked beans? Oh, absolutely! Yeah,
0: fantastic, fantastic.
1: Like, do if you you're prefer make... them to warm baked beans?
0: Yeah, yeah. <gasps> now, I, I like warm baked beans, and I sort of like like if you're giving me baked beans and a big load of mashed potato, like yeah. that's just and actually um, get some sausages and just mash it all up into like a kind of a oh, yeah. a thing, yeah, and yeah. you can just go. Wah, rah, rah, rah. But it's great. Sounds but good. yeah, I like I like baked beans cold. Like if I'm making baked beans, I'll always take a couple of spoonfuls straight from the tin.
1: Yes, exactly that. Yeah. So if I pour the baked beans into, I don't know, a pan or whatever yeah. I am or but I'm I'm always like, "Oh, there's a few left in the tin. I'm eating those out directly with a spoon." Yeah. Yes. And that way I get some cold baked beans before my hot baked beans, like uh-huh. a starter. Yeah. I like a little amuse-bouche of baked beans. Exactly that. Oh, I'm glad we agree on this. This is good. This is good. This makes up for the uh for the other thing. For the toast and butter thing, let's not let's not even <laughs> talk about that. You mentioned jam earlier when you talked about your sourdough bread, and I thought I'm not going to get into I'm it. Not it's, there. it's been a difficult enough weekend.
0: <laughs> All right, here's another question. Here's another question. I've got one more. This one comes okay. from Cod Chops. He's at Cod Chops eighty one, and he says, "Immortal penguin or super powered ostrich?"
1: As a pet, or? I don't
0: know. You decide.
1: Immortal penguin. Yeah? Yeah. A superpowered ostrich, I think, is just too dangerous. I think a super-powered ostrich is taking over the world. I don't think we need that on planet Earth going around. Imagine. How would you stop it? Did you see there's a video
0: um, of, I, I saw it there the other week, of these guys cycling... Along, it could have been. An, I don't know if it's an ostrich or an emu, but you know they're more or less the
1: same, right? They both look like dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, big
0: fucking weird, freaky, flightless birds. The only reason I'm not totally freaked out by ostriches and emus is that they don't flap. You know, they don't yeah, but what flap if it's their got wings. Superpowers, mate. Well, maybe that's that's where we're going. But anyway, these guys are cycling down like a lonesome highway in wherever the hell it is. Could be Australia, okay. could be wherever. I don't know. Wherever ostriches are, or wherever emus are. And they're cycling down and they're the proper, like, proper cyclist guys. You know, they're whizzing along on their fiber. Yeah, their racers, carbon frame, blah, 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 super thin wheels, the whole lot. Helmets, super aerodynamic helmets, and they're fucking flying along. And then you see this ostrich running along beside them or behind them. The ostrich is chasing them
1: and the ostrich is keeping up with the cyclists. It's like that scene in Jurassic Park with the T-Rex behind the car.
0: Yeah. And the, the ostrich is just fucking powering along behind them, powering along for about a minute or a minute and a half. And then eventually he just sort of goes off to the side. But he could have kept running after them forever and ever and ever.
1: Frightening. And that's a normal powered ostrich, not a super-powered one. Yeah.
0: What superpowers do you think an ostrich would have? Obviously, well, this the, 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 the flight, flight is the
1: one that troubles me. Yeah. But laser eyes laser eyes super strength what about invisibility (laughs) what about
0: an ostrich that they're tall enough as it is you know the way their legs have these kind of rings on them yeah what if they were like joints that could extend like Inspector Gadget and they could become gigantically tall super powered flying
1: invisible laser eyed ostriches Go, go, ostrich legs. That would be horrendous. Yeah. So you're going with uh, immortal penguin? I'm going with penguin. Penguins are quite cute. They're quite funny. They look like they're wearing suits. Let them live forever. Let that one live forever. We'll worship it as a god.
0: But what about when you die? It'll be like that scene in Futurama you know, when, when Fry gets frozen in right. Futurama and then his dog is sitting outside the, uh, the pizza shop where Fry works. Little the dog doesn't know that Fry has been frozen cryogenically and won't be woken for another thousand years in the future, where they've got transport tubes. Which I swear to God, before I die, I really want that to happen. I really want transport (laughs) tubes. Like, okay, I really do. Like, forget forget your lightsabers and hoverboards and all those things. Transport tubes. I want that before before I shuffle off this earth. But anyway, Fry's dog is just waiting and waiting outside the pizza shop because that's where Fry works. That's where he goes every day and he waits for him and then they go home together and dog and master and they do the stuff that dogs do and and he's just waiting and waiting and then eventually he dies because he, he can't wait a thousand years for Fry. He dies. But your immortal penguin will be sitting there waiting outside... Wherever it is that you work, whatever pizza shop or fried chicken joint that you're running in your later years, your immortal penguin will be sitting out of that shop forever and ever, just going, Where's, where's James? Where is he?
1: What, where am I? Am I dead or am I frozen?
0: Well, you're dead because you can't, you're not immortal. Like, it'll be fine for the next whatever, 60 or 70 years. You'd surely. be fine. But six hundred
1: after- years years—I'll do well to get that far.
0: Okay. Well, look—I'm—I'm I'm just saying that lifespans are increasing over time. Okay. Unless right, you're okay. a celebrity in 2016, that's a in worry. Which case with the manager.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How long is he going to stay? But oh, yeah. <laughs> but your immortal penguin will just be bereft. Just- I'm sure someone would adopt it, though. Surely, I—I I think this penguin would be quite fickle in its ways. Do you think so? Yeah, it would forget all about me within minutes. I mean honestly I'm not a good owner it would be glad to see the back of me you can have it after I'm gone (laughs) like I'm gonna be
0: around fucking hell
1: well I don't know we'll see
0: so yeah so you're willing you're willing to inflict emotional trauma and heartbreak on a penguin rather than have a single super powered ostrich that we could probably
1: take out with a tactical nuclear weapon definitely right let the penguin suffer. The ostriches must be stopped. Okay. Okay. Have you got one more? I've nearly forgotten about the football. So have I. It was great. Those few minutes were fantastic. It was blissful. Absolutely blissful. I haven't got any more, actually, no. I've got to go now.
0: Oh, do you? Okay. Have you got one more? Well, it was not one more, but it was just... uh, Hang on. Where was it? It was on Facebook. And it was from David Marshall, who said, given how the season has gone from bad to worse... Can you explain how you're going to spend money this summer to ensure your audio problems don't
1: ruin next season 2? Uh we've just talked about this. I'm going to buy some new headphones. Yeah. That'll be good. And then what else are we going to do? Buy a massive studio exactly equidistant between Dublin and London. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. We'll we're going to to it every Monday. Yeah, we're going to fill it with immortal penguins. We're going to transport you by way there.
0: Yeah, yeah little penguins going burr, 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 and then we'd be going people would be going would you just keep those penguins quiet in the background we can't hear what you're saying <laughs> um, we want to know find out else... we want to know why Joel Campbell hasn't been picked ahead of Theo Walcott next season and all we can exactly. hear is
1: penguins in the background yeah, exactly mm. maybe that Joel Campbell here will both be playing for Southampton or something like that <laughs> <laughs> and the same situation will be unfolding oh how optimistic you are <laughs> all um, right all right, let's call it a day. Well done, everyone. Well done for still continuing to be alive and listen to us talk about football.
0: Thanks very much. We appreciate it. We hope it has been in some way... Cathartic? Yeah, or or, or something. We hope it's done something for your day. We hope we've done something. Yes. And now everyone can go off and watch Game of Thrones in peace.
1: Yes, get, get, get on that, guys. It's less traumatic. It's got death and zombies and
0: horses and things. What else could you want? Dragons. It's got that as well. Great big... Actually, are dragons not
1: what super powered ostrich? Essentially, it's the same thing, isn't it? That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. That's what I'm worried about. I mean, yeah. I've seen Game of Thrones. I've seen The Hobbit. I know the kind of havoc they can wreak.
0: Yeah. You're a wise man thank you very much thanks for saving us all and we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the Arsecast
1: what go on I was say is that because I eat cold beans is that why you think I'm wise or
0: yeah that and saving us from, from dragon, dragon ostriches yeah. yeah
1: yeah that's yeah. good
0: alright we're going to have an Arsecast on Friday looking ahead to the all important game against, Nor- <laughs> against <laughs> Norwich another thriller yeah uh, another thriller and we'll be here next Monday to talk all about it
1: bye bye